2020 was one of the hottest years ever, and it brought to an More end the warmest decade ever. More than 15,000 scientists are sounding an alarm about climate change. They call it a says the effect of global warming is so severe the region is actually shifting to They've a different climate. They've also found they had underestimated the rate of change. Meaning experts their predictions say that we have, have until 2030 to avoid catastrophe. It 2020 was the hottest year on record. Changes are not made and made soon. There will be irreversible damage to the planet. Hello and welcome to My Green Podcast. I'm Jarvis Smith. I'm Katie Hill. And I'm Joe Wood. This is the show about living a sustainable, ethical life without drastically altering your lifestyle or blowing up your bank account. Everything from quality green products and where to get them. To easy changes you can make now to help make this world a healthier place. Later in the show, we'll be joined by the author of the eco-friendly children's book, Away, Danny Sita. But first, let's have a look at some of the recent green news. The River Charity, Thames 21, has released data showing that a mound created by wet wipes has grown to the size of two tennis courts and over a metre tall. So the last time I read about this, it was the size of two double-decker buses. So this is like, this is growing. It's growing. Yeah, it's, so it's it's a, a mountain of wet wipes that's, that's been discovered Um when laser and sonar scans of the Thames Riverbed were taken for London's new super sewer, which is going to tackle 95% of sewage overflows that, that pollute the Thames at the moment. So it's been an ongoing, they've been taking, they've been scanning the riverbed and they found this enormous, this huge mountain of wet wipes. Um, they're usually made of plastic. So when they get into the Thames, they bind with natural sediments to create these really enormous mounds and they change the, the contours of the river so the pollution is just, it's a, it's a huge threat to the, um, the wildlife in the Thames. Yeah, I got, I would do, Vivi's got a children's book about this. It's actually where I got loads of information about it. And essentially it's the wipes and then it mixes with the grease that goes down the sewers as well, doesn't it? And then they yeah. bind together. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's actually really disgusting. It's so, horrible. It's horrible. And we use so many. We use 11 billion wet wipes a year in the UK and 90% wow. of them contain plastic. It's criminal. So, yeah. and you know, people think, oh, I can just fl- flush the odd wet wipe away and it doesn't seem like a massive deal. But there are 300,000 blockages every year in our sewers. So it is a Herbie big is not happy about it. He doesn't like it. All. He doesn't like the wet wipe monsters. No. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the beauty of it is there are loads of biodegradable options now and they're not that much more expensive than the plastic ones so you know what they just need to be banned Fleur Anderson the Labour MP for Putney she's proposed um, a 10 minute rule bill that would outlaw the use of plastic in wet wipes and it's totally the right way to go so yeah yeah just let's speed that up and let's just get plastic out of wet wipes it doesn't need to be there people have shown that it's not necessary yeah and I think as, as parents, you know, we've always been conscious about it, haven't we, since since the beginning, really? I mean, actually, not only the wet wipes themselves, but also not using those wet wipes, which most of them are the plastic ones, that have quite toxic ingredients on them. Like, you wouldn't want to wipe your bum or your baby's bum or, you know, things with them anyway. So, so definitely, people, look for the alternatives. There are some great brands out there. Um, you can also find some on My Green Pods. So, yeah, just go out and find your alternative biodegradable 
compostable wet wipes i would say go for the reusable ones you know we've been kind of tricked into thinking we need wet wipes they're so pointless you don't need them at all don't let anybody con you into believing that when you have a baby you suddenly need to use wet wipes you can use you can use a reusable cotton organic cotton wipe that you just and just water that's all you need and then just wash it it's so simple yeah, it is. I suppose when you're not when when you're going out, it's not so practical. But but yeah, no, I, I take that on board. You trumped me there. You trumped me. <laughs> <laughs> not the first time. We'll be the last. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> okay, moving on. So in other news, um, sales staff and I love this at the first oh, salon at Howard's don't. were caught misleading customers about the conditions animals on fur farms. A captain. This I mean, this a, is. Did somebody it, get a video of this? I hope yeah, so. It's yeah, a, it's, a, it's a disgrace. They were exposed by a secret shopper who was told in the Harrods Fur Salon that you had, let's just check this. They were told that animals in fur farms don't suffer. And this is the real shocker. They were told that they've got their own private space, exactly like Battersea, as in <laughs> dogs and cats' homes. Like they're being looked after and they're being loved and cared for and that they can. Str- I mean, it's just. It's just unbelievable. I cannot believe it. Really does beg a belief. I was in. I was in shock when I read this. So, I mean, so hold on. Let's just unpick this a little bit. Now, presumably, Howard's would not be the management at Howard's wouldn't be telling their staff this was the case if they didn't believe it was. So, this well, must have filtered down from. No, I think no? These are, there were four different um, because obviously the first salon has different brands. So it's got Max Mara and it's got you know it's got a few different. Um, fashion houses within the fur salon that they're selling but the point was they were all wearing Harrods name badges even though they worked for the separate branded companies if that makes sense oh, okay yeah but it's they like, were yeah, all they representing have... Harrods they were there they had Harrods name badges on and they were yeah. they were on the shop floor there so the staff were, were questioned and they were filmed by Humane Society International and unfortunately for the staff this charity had recently exposed the absolutely horrendous conditions on fox fur farms in Finland um, which is Europe's biggest producer of fox fur. So the animals, they've, they exposed the conditions. They were confined in small, these barren wire factory farm style cages, just one meter squared. So oh it was God. barely longer than their body length from nose to tail. I'm just thinking Cruella de Vil in this yeah. very moment. Yeah. Well, I, I'm surprised that you were even allowed to make fur products these days. I mean, it's just, how long has this ban been, been going on for? Well, Fur farming in Britain on ethical grounds has been banned since 2000. But the problem is that the UK is still importing, well, it's imported more than £850 million of fur from countries like France, Italy, Poland, China, um, the United States. So what the charity and a lot of campaigners are asking for is for the government to just stop it by banning UK fur imports and sales. And 72% of the British public agree with that. So the government, you know, there is a... There is a mandate for this and the government is currently considering a first sales ban as well as a fur farming ban, which is really what we need to do. Well, I'd love to hear from my listeners about this because um, I'm surprised, you know, genuinely that people are still buying fur. Yeah. So who are the people out there that are buying fur? If you guys know anybody that's buying fur and the reason why they buy it, please, please email us and let us know. We'll give you the email address at the end. Yeah, because there is there is demand somewhere in the world that more than 100 million animals are killed for their fur each year worldwide. So that's foxes, raccoon dogs, mink, chinchilla, 
rabbits. Oh my gosh, disgusting, disgusting. It's horrible. Wow. So it's, that's the equivalent of three animals dying every second just for their fur. And anybody who <sighs> says that it's a byproduct, they are lying. That was one of the things that they said in the um, in Harris. That it, they were kind of making out that. That, that fur was a byproduct of the meat industry and that it was all perfectly ethical it's not so don't right. let anybody con you into believing that it is it's just not it's wrong and it needs to end So now it's time for our regular feature. Let's talk about six, baby. Six easy steps anyone can make to lead a more sustainable life. And today we talk about our step six, how we holiday. I mean, is anyone is anyone going on holiday right now? Well, we're moving around the country probably to go and to visit friends and families. Christmas is that on your is that on your in your diary? Oh, I see no? the oh. holidays. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm see, I'm a traditional. Britishman, where I call Christmas Christmas. I don't, I don't call it the holidays. But yeah, no, I get it, I get it. So, um, well, I mean, we're going into lockdown, aren't we? Isn't that uh, imminent? Uh, we this, probably this are by of... the time this goes out. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of noise about Omicron. There's a lot of noise about people moving around. The government are advising people to just kind of just chill and just be careful. And but, um, you know, I, I, they can't not let us travel around for Christmas. So. The thing is about this is that um, if we're visiting friends and family over the holidays, right? how do we do that in a sustainable way? Now, the big issue is if you want to get the train somewhere, public transport, how do you carry all the presents or the yeah. turkey or, you know, stuff know. like that? So what, what are the options? I think you don't do that. What you do is you arrange for all of the presents and things to be at the house that you're going to be spending Christmas Oh, I'm just, I'm just seeing Amazon flashing up oh, in no, front of Amazon. me. No, my, my, no, no. my nemesis, the My Green Pod nemesis. No, you don't. Not Amazon. You just get the presents. You go Christmas shopping or you buy stuff online and you just get it sent to the, you get it sent to the house. But the problem that you foresee with that is that if we do go into lockdown, that's Christmas buggered, isn't it? If you can't get to that place and all your presents are there. So I don't yeah, know, imagine, I don't know yeah, what people, that. my yeah, brother and said... sister-in-law have got this very problem because they're coming up to us for Christmas and they've got kids. So what do they do? Do they try and get everything in the back of her Ford Fiesta or do they get it sent up before them? Yeah, no, I think getting sent is a good idea. I mean, you know, putting aside that, that you know, um, platform that's named after a rainforest, you want to shop with platforms that plant trees in the rainforest which is what we do at my green pod but you know we're not the only one there were lots but yeah okay so get things shipped to the addresses but then you've got the nightmare of if we go into lockdown you're not going to have any presents for your kids this is a real tricky one i'm going to put this out to our listeners again to ask them what they are considering doing mm-hmm. um, because i think there's a this could really open up some some opportunities because you know there's you've got the nightmare of public transport you know, all British Rail always breaks down when the wind blows and the, you get leaves on the line. So let alone frozen snow, you know, uh, I, I, you know, this this kind of easterly um, cold weather, bitterly cold weather that we're getting. So I suppose what, what, we're, what you're saying is that if you are going to somewhere else for Christmas, you sort of need a car. Yeah, well, you do. So go out and buy an electric car, everyone. And if you can't buy one, just steal one. I mean, really, <laughs> just you know. borrow one, just lease one. 
just you can lease it for a week can't you well the amazing thing is about that katie is brilliant you can actually lease not for a week probably you can hire for a week mm. from you know companies like ev rent Same you can lease you can lease for a month you can actually lease at a competitive rate from brands like Onto and EV, um, what do they call Octopus EV rather. And, you know, they do, they do, do, do this monthly kind of subscription service now. So it is amazing. So mm-hmm. consider that or, you know, leave uh, four or five days early and walk. <laughs> or stay at home. <laughs> <laughs> stay at home by the fire. Don't send your presents anywhere and just have a lovely time. <laughs> No, I feel I, I feel bad about this because last year, you know, we had such a nightmare, didn't we, at Christmas? We weren't able to visit, you know, mm. our, you know, your your parents and my parents, and it was all a bit of a, it was all a bit of an anticlimax. So let's hope we do not get spun into lockdown this year. Are we? T- do we want to talk about people who are going to be jetting off to the sunshine over Christmas and just saying you don't need to do that? Just enjoy Christmas winter. I don't know. I love I I'm one of these people that loves a, a bit of sunshine uh, not necessarily at Christmas but just after always um, just always well not, always not just yeah <laughs> yeah well I'm part Indian and a Leo so you know I've got the the, the double whammy of <laughs> like needing the sun god but yeah I mean I, I know quite a few people that are going away and wanting to go away and you've got this issue around what countries can you go to without quarantining and everything else but I think if you're traveling abroad the essence is yes mainly you've got to fly so if you can at least offset your flying have by you planting, got to fly could you get well but could you get a ferry to mainland europe and go from there could you get a train you know, all right you- we'll start let's let's start with flying if you have to fly because you can't get to places like brazil or india or thailand or whatever which is a you know australia they're huge christmas destinations mm. for particularly to visit family so at least go to you know eden project or, or tree sisters or, or come to My Green Pod, we've got a tree subscription, and just get a load of trees put back in the ground. Because um, it could be once a year thing. I, I don't have a massive issue about people traveling, traveling once a year for a, just an amazing, epic, you know, spirited, soulful holiday. Mm. Something that's really going to boost your, you know, your well-being, right? Yeah, and if you're doing everything, if you're doing other stuff throughout the year, it does, yeah, I don't see a problem with that really. But you're right, we can also get the ferry. And But, you know, it's the issue is it's time. I think that there will be time in the very near future where a lot more robots are going to be doing a lot more work and, 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 and people, human beings, will have a lot more time on their hands. So you will be able to consider slow travel. Mm. You know, you'll be able to consider sailing to places. You, you know, but right now society is not set up we have to get somewhere really quickly, have a holiday, get back. And it's actually often quite a stressful thing. Yeah. Um, so we just need to vote for a different um, um, political party in the next election and vote for those those parties that are actually supportive of changing, completely changing the way that we inhabit our planet. Next, Joe talks to today's very special guest, Danny Sita. Our guest 
today is founder of EcoAble and author of eco-friendly children's book, Away. Hey, Danny, how are you? I'm really good, Jo. Thanks for um, inviting me to be here. It's really nice wow. to chat to you. Yeah, it's lovely to chat. And I absolutely love the book, actually. Oh, thank you. Tell us all about Away. Tell me how you came up with the idea. I used to be an early years um, teacher and used to teach in preschool. And books and stories were part of everything we did all day, every day. Um, They were the things that the children chose in the role play, outside. Um, So I knew that they were fundamental to learning new concepts, new vocabulary, new ideas. And I suppose it was when I set up EcoAble that I realised that I'd always wanted to write a book and I hadn't really quite known what book. (laughs) Um, But I felt quite strongly that I wanted to write a book that was accessible to small children to help them to understand the concepts around taking care of our planet and the impacts on the environment and the animals within it um, and ourselves. Um, So that's really um, the reason behind it. And I didn't really have to spend a lot of time thinking up the idea. It just sort of came to me. I think with everything that I do in the ecosphere, sort of learning stuff for myself, yeah. um, learning from scratch, you know. Um, and then I just kind of put all of those ideas into the book and found an amazing illustrator to work with who just completely got what I wanted it to look like and feel like. And um, yeah, the illustrations are so beautiful. I mean, it's, it, is, it is a lovely <laughs> book. I've got my grandson here and I think it's just, just gorgeous. And the oh, fact thank you. that well, you published it yourself, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. We, 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 along with everything to do with EcoAble, we, we've self-funded everything. and We've kind of, you know, really tightened our belts and <laughs> buckled in to, to, to fund the book, really. Um, it yeah. felt really important that it was done in the right way. So I really wanted the process to be as eco-friendly as possible. So there's no lamination on the hardback books. There's no lamination at all on it. So it's plastic-free. We've used, where we've had to use glue, we've used vegan glue, um, it's hands it's like um stitched the the spine so on the hard back so we've we've gone for the processes and it's a hundred percent carbon balanced recycled paper that we've got an eco-friendly ink so not only was it important to have an eco story it was important to have the whole process be as eco-friendly as possible because I didn't want to add loads of damage to the environment lots of plastic things that will eventually have to be got rid of so that was really, really important. So that's one of the reasons we decided to self-publish. Wasn't it hard to go about trying to self-publish? I mean, there must be so many people out there who'd like to publish a book, but to actually go about and do it, and how do you go about doing that? <laughs> um, I mean, writing the story and getting the illustrator sort of seems the simple bit now. You know, we worked on it for a good few years, Um you know, so I could pay the illustrator over time. And then we were really lucky to find a lovely small business um, who helped us do the layouting of the book because I'd never, I'd never done any of that. So I didn't even know size or how to put text in. And I wanted the text to jump off the page and move around. And it was, you know, that was a whole learning thing. I have no idea how to do that. Um, So we found a lovely lady called Tash. She's done all of the layout for us. And then a local printing company who, um, 
totally got what yeah. we were trying to do. Um, I suppose the hardest thing is funding it yourself, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. You know, it, it's expensive to to do it all. But I kind of feel in the long run it'll be worth it because it means that we can put it out in the right way. We can we can tell people about it in the right way and do all of that. Danny, tell me a bit more about publishing an eco book. Was it difficult to find an eco publisher? I think I was really lucky because I met a lovely lady, Tash, who did all the layouting um, for us. And she was already working with a um, local printers in Shootsbury who have done some eco stuff before. Um, so I just, I think it was just sort of meant to be almost because they were completely on board with what I wanted from it and checked with me at each stage. They had um, access to the the carbon balance paper um and and it was it was quite a straightforward and simple process so um I don't know what other printers are like but you know I think um they were very amenable you were just very lucky to find somebody that was had done that before that was brilliant yeah and it worked worked out really really well but I think also you know they they listened when I said I didn't want you know glue and that kind of thing and I, I preferred it stitched and that that sort of stuff and I didn't want lamination so I think sort of getting a printer who um, understands what you're aiming for and then is willing to work with you is really important yeah oh brilliant so Danny tell us more about the story and how it will appeal to children give us a sort of brief outline of how the story goes so it's based in our beautiful British woodlands um, and the animals come across something that shouldn't be there and they spend a bit of time trying to work out what it actually is and what they could do with it and then they realize it's some plastic waste that you know really shouldn't be there Um, and they try and come up with ideas of how they could reuse it so that it's not not going to waste somewhere And and they realize that there is no way for it to magically disappear to and so that they have to take responsibility and do something with it even though it isn't their waste um yeah. you know so so that's kind of in a nutshell the story and it's and it's sort of you know about how I suppose it'll help us and small children think about how we can reuse things or you know try not to drop stuff where it shouldn't be and all of that and um hopefully in a lovely gentle way you could sort of hear the kids would be saying when they see an old can oh you can't let that go into the forest you know that they will be I could should think they'll connect like that I I love that my my grandson loved it oh Um, that's so good to hear yeah um now so if anybody wants to buy this where can they buy this book so they can go to the website, which is ecoable.co.uk, and um, my book section is on there. So we've got also, if you sign up to the newsletter, this is something that I felt quite strongly about, is having accessibility for it to anyone regardless. Um, so we've put um, a free video of me reading the story um, on there if you sign up to the newsletters, um, and that's for anybody. So you don't have to buy anything for that. You can yeah. just access that, but the book's also on there to purchase and our colouring book, which we've made in the same way, which is slightly different, but it's... Um, oh, you've done a colouring book? 
We have, yeah, which is lovely. All right, so everybody can go to EcoAble and um, website and get this book. And and this sort of book will never go out of fashion or anything. It will be around forever. I hope so. Yeah. That's, oh, that's yeah. kind of I... my whole thing is that it's going to be in every home and every school and nursery. That, and that it's going to be like a treasured book, one of the books that you remember from your childhood when you're grown up. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I hope for it. Like I remember Janet and John. Oh, God, I'm giving away my age. (laughs) So this is your very first book. Do you think that you're going to do more? Yeah, we're already, um, I've written the second one. um, And I'm halfway through writing the first. uh, And the second one's being illustrated. So, yeah, it's definitely given me a real sense of purpose to kind of keep writing and, and keep getting the message out there about, you know, the impact on our environments um, yeah. with plastic waste and stuff. I mean, to find an illustrator that gets you just like that is amazing. I mean... Anna's incredibly talented and she um, she makes all sorts of illustrations. But I really, just really love her style of black and white and, and that sort yeah. of real sense of... I don't know atmosphere that she creates with her her um, illustrations, um, and I, I met her just through a local networking group um, in Cheltenham, and I'd known her for a while, and she'd never illustrated a book before. So it's been a learning curve for both of us, but it's just amazing how we've come together, and she just totally got what the book was about and what the illustrations needed to look like so I'm, I'm really thrilled with it I couldn't be prouder of her I think she's done yeah, an incredible she, job she has have you always wanted to be a writer yeah I think I think sort of throughout my preschool time but just because books were so important and you know as a child I read everything I possibly could I think I've always had that thought in my head but you never you never think that you're going to do it do you you never think it's no. possible until you just think actually why can't I? And I think it's beautiful to write children's books. Yeah. It is a real privilege, isn't it, I think, yeah, to, to I sort think of know it's... that you're going to be sort of instrumental in, in some sort of change and them learning things and, and talking about important things in, you know, a way that's right for them. So this book will be the most perfect Christmas present for anybody, to, or for any family to buy for their kids. What age group do you think you, your book is appeal will appeal to? I think it's ideally ideally suited to like three to sevens. I mean, I, I've had some lovely reviews from eight year olds too. So around those ages, I think yeah. it's an ideal um, age range for yeah. for little ones. Um, you know, and they'll take different things from it depending on on their age. The older um, children that I've had feedback from have, have loved it and have loved the messaging and had thought about what they're going to do. Um, afterwards to kind of tackle um, waste and, and stuff like that. So, and, and for younger ones, you know, the illustrations are beautiful and, and it'll just be a lovely story. So, yeah. And I think my catching children at such a young age to have that visual in front of them and to get the story will, you know, as you said, stay with them and they will be more aware of our environment and, you know, what's that can doing over, you know, by looking and reading that book, it sort of helps them on their way to love the planet and the animals 
around us in a more you know loving way yeah definitely and I think you know young children are very aware of things you know especially to do with the environment and I and I think it's really lovely to have a way for them to explore those issues you know in a gentle lovely story um and it's not too scary you know it's it's not telling them the answers it's giving them the opportunity to kind of think for themselves and and to enjoy it in that way and then sort of maybe come up with ideas about how they can make a difference and all of that as they get older so when can we expect to see the next book out oh that's a good question (laughs) (laughs) hopefully by next summer so we're we're working on it at the moment so that that's my sort of target goal um that we could get it published by the by the beginning of the summer hopefully fingers crossed if it all goes well is it gonna next one gonna be sort of very similar to away or is it Uh, a totally different story it's totally different. It has a slightly similar theme, as you can imagine. Um, but yes, it's, the setting is different and the characters are different. And um, yeah, it's a different feel as well. But I'm just as excited about this one. So I can't wait to kind of get it finished. We're sort of working on the illustrations at the moment. So um, oh, how lovely. Now, outside of your book writing, how do you live a sustainable life? Oh, <laughs> do you live a sustainable life? I'd like to say, yes, I'm 100% sustainable, but, you know, I'm human the same as everyone else. So I think the best way to describe it is I, I try my best each day to, you know, make better choices and challenge myself when, you know, I find myself thinking, oh, I'll just do that because it's easy. And, and, you know, to say to myself, well, hang on a minute, it might be easy, but that's that's not the that's not the most sustainable way to do something. So I think um, for me, it's just about trying to do things where I can and perhaps challenging family to do the same. Yeah. Because uh, I think, you know, as, as, as one individual, we can feel quite overwhelmed, can't we? We're trying to do everything and, you know, juggling busy lives. But I think, you know, yeah. there's, lots, there's lots we can do successfully. So it's about just taking those small steps and, and making those small changes bit by bit. Um, until you kind of feel like, yes, I am living as sustainably as I can in this moment. Yes, well, with doing a book and doing it all eco and printing it and all that, that is a big step. How, do you, what's one tip that you would say, just one for the audience? Making um, swaps to like reusables, you know, that's a really easy, simple simple thing that you, that you can do from coffee cups to bags to there's you know there are you've probably got hundreds of these things in your own home you know so, and, and it's not don't be afraid of plastic if you have a plastic bag use it you know let's not throw them away or shove them in the cupboard if you've already got stuff just use what you've got rather than buying new stuff so I suppose that's two tips but <laughs> those are my top tips. Danny it's been so lovely to talk to you about your lovely book Well, thanks, Jo. Thanks so much. It's been really nice. It's a real pleasure. that's it for another episode of my green podcast 
We hope you enjoyed it and gained some really useful tips on living ethically. Now, if you did, please subscribe to My Green Podcast wherever you listen to your podcast and be sure to give us a five-star rating. It's really important to us. It's so that others wanting a greener lifestyle can find us. Thank you to our guest, Danny Sita. Links to her and her excellent book are in the show notes. Follow us on at Joe Wood Official and at MyGreenPod. For more tips and the latest ethical news, go to MyGreenPod.com or email us hello at MyGreenPod.com. See you next time. See you next time. Bye. My Green Podcast was presented by Jarvis Smith, Katie Hill and Joe Wood. It was produced by Mike Hansen for Pod People Productions. Music by The Phoenix Rose. <laughs>